Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Hey, good morning, church. 11 o'clock, yeah, how about that? And uh, we just want to welcome you if you're here in person or if you're online today to our uh, third service. So hopefully we'll try to get through this well. I'm John Adams, lead pastor here at The Vine, and uh, we are just excited to be together. And uh, what a beautiful time of singing and praise. And that was beautiful. That, that met my expectations. That was good. I'm getting ready to go home. And today, we're, yeah, we're, but I'm going to talk a little. The, uh, we're, today, we're going to be talking about expectations. And, you know, as you think about expectations in our life, it can be really difficult. It, they Literally, expectations, the word means from the root. That's what makes expectations so hard. And maybe you've heard that, that old adage, expectation is the mother of all frustration, And it can be, right? Because you know why is that? Because our expectations of things are here. But the reality of life usually hits somewhere around here or here. And and the difference between expectation and reality is frustration. And, you know, I tell our guys I, I disciple in the gospel is, you know, if you're frustrated, it's probably anger could be sadness or fear, but that's probably an anger, and it's probably not a, a righteous anger. Because So we struggle with expectations, and we all have them, right? We have them in different areas of our life. How about just even with Thanksgiving services or, or, or Thanksgiving celebrations at home as well? And, you know, um, we were hoping to have our whole family, both our girls and their family, and about half our family came And the reason is this COVID. Aren't you tired of it? And we're ready to be done with COVID. And it it kind of messes us up. And you can get angry about it. You can be frustrated about it. People deal with this all differently in the same families. And it's a struggle. And so our, our today, what we want to see is that our expectations are properly placed. And that, that today that your expectation is more, not just in other things, but in the one thing, the one person that will give you hope, candle of hope today for Sunday of Advent in this season. So, so we are in this season of hope and we're in a sermon series out of Matthew chapter one and two over the next four weeks through Christmas Eve. And we're going to be looking at what Advent really is. It's not just the first coming of Christ, but it's really believing and hoping and expecting the second coming of Christ as well. His return, his literal return. And so today we're going to start and dig in in Matthew chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. And I remind you that we want to place our thinking, our lives under the authority of the revelation of God today. It, it's God's word. And so Matthew chapter one on your, in your Bibles or your handhelds so that we can see this context of this passage. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, 
She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This is such a beautiful gospel, Matthew's gospel. And it it quotes the Old Testament more than any of the other gospels. Why? Because Matthew is writing to primarily a Jewish audience. He's trying to remind them of all that happened in the Old Testament. And so he actually begins, look at verses 1 through 17, with a genealogy that leads through Jesus' earthly father, Joseph. And And he mentions such great people like King David, I mean, the greatest king in Israel, and Abraham, who was the father of the Jews. In fact, Joseph, the the father of Jesus, had one of the best lineages or heritages possible. And to a Jewish person, it was like your calling card. If you wanted to get your foot in the door in business or in relationships, an important thing would be to show your lineage don't you do that every day? <laughs> you know, here's who I am. My descendants are. Yeah, I don't know. We, it's not a big deal in America as much. But in, in the Jewish faith, it was, it was an issue. So look at verses 1 through 17. You see these incredible names. In fact, I challenge you to go home today, each one of you, and read this out loud and try to pronounce these names. They're crazy. In fact, after you read all this, you're like, why does that all happen? Why does that in the Bible? Well, I just told you. It's really about, uh, for a Jewish person, they would get it. It's, oh, those are our ancestors. This is a great lineage. And, and for Joseph, it could have meant great job, good income, religious status, different things. But in, even in the midst of this, one of the best sort of resumes you could bring Here in verses 1 through 17, you see a lot of brokenness and struggle. In fact, look at verse 3. It says there in verse 3 of this passage, And Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar. We know that here he's talking about a story in Genesis chapter 38. The story of Judah, the son of Jacob, who, who after his wife died, he became intimate with his daughter-in-law, Tamar. She tricked him, kind of deceived him, but, you know, he, he did the deed, man. And he, incest in the Old Testament was really, um, it was awful because the penalty was death. And, and so here, um, from this union in this of Tamar and, and Judah, this, this guy Judah appears 
in the line of Jesus. Now, why? Why does Matthew bring all this brokenness? In fact, if you looked at the rest of this genealogy, you'd see a lot more sin and brokenness if we had time to unpack this. Why does he do this? Why does he share this in Joseph and Jesus' ancestry? And here's the reason why. He wants us to know the whole story. He wants to know us to know that even in the most perfect of people, the most beautiful or talented or gifted of people, there is extreme brokenness because of our sin. And in fact, every person who's ever existed in this world needs a savior, a rescuer, someone you would put your hope in as the ultimate in your life. And so here, Matthew is trying to communicate this to us. And we see that's the context of this passage. And so today, we're going to see in verses 18 through 23, this one thing. And I want you to to know this more than anything else, is that Jesus comes in unexpected ways. Is our hope, is your hope in him? Jesus comes in unexpected ways. Is our hope in him? And the first thing we see unexpected is this unexpected news flash. You know, Joseph, look at verse 18. Again, it says, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child. You know, what do you think Joseph said? What? What's going on? What's up? How could this happen? You're my betrothed. You see, in those days, betrothal, which was the relationship that Mary had with Joseph, was much more committed than engagement. In fact, at this point of their relationship, the only way it could be broken is through divorce. And so, and Joseph had the right finding out Mary was pregnant without him being the father to have her killed, stoned to death. But it says in verse 19 that he was a just man, which means righteous, correct, fair, morally right. And he didn't want to actually have her stoned to death. He he was gracious. And so there was a provision in Numbers chapter 5 that you could allow a private divorce in these cases. And that's what he was pursuing. So you think the story would end there, but it's just beginning really, right? Because not only do we see this unexpected newsflash, wow, imagine if you were Joseph. Wow, this, you did this to me, you betrayed me, you know, all those feelings he could have had. But, but the story doesn't end here. If we see secondly um, that Jesus comes in unexpected ways and we see God's unexpected rescue. An angel of the Lord appears in a dream to Joseph. In fact, he does it three times in 110, 2.13, and 2.22 to Joseph. I mean, Joseph obviously needed God to speak to him, right? And he was. And the Lord appeared in a dream and began addressing Joseph. And in verses verses 20 through 23, we see... I'm going to focus on four different messages he brought to Joseph. And here they are. Verse 18, he said, Jesus, who was born of Mary, was conceived miraculously by the direct work of the Holy Spirit. This is the work of God. That's what 
what God was trying to communicate through this author, Matthew, and to all of us, and to Joseph. This is God who did this. It's his work. He sovereignly and miraculously took a virgin and impregnated her with the very God of the universe. And secondly, we see here in verse 20 that the way he addresses Joseph, look at it, he says, Joseph, son of David. Here God is reminding Joseph that he was a, a direct descendant of the great king of David. But again, King David had some brokenness, right? Bathsheba, you remember that story? You remember some of his problems. He murdered Bathsheba's wife so he can marry Mary Bathsheba, I mean, this is the righteous, godly king who was a man after God's own heart, and he still struggled with sin. But again, he's trying to teach us something that, yes, David was a great king. He conquered many enemies, but there will be a greater king, a greater king who will come. So thirdly, the angel was making in the message, verse 21, and he said to Joseph, you should name this child Jesus. Now, Jesus has such an important meaning if you get in the background of it. In the Greek version of that name, Jesus, it's actually the word Yahshua. And it means, it is, it is the, the word in the Hebrew and the Greek actually means Joshua. It's the, Josh, it's the name for Joshua who was, remember in the Old Testament, Joshua came after Moses and he helped lead God's people into the land of prom, the promised land, right? Canaan. Well, here he's, he's saying to us and to all that would read this, this great letter, this gospel, that there will be, again, a greater Joshua. There'll be a greater deliverer. There'll be someone who brings you into the full promises of God, and his name will be Jesus, the greater Joshua. And then fourthly, in verse 23, Jesus' birth is a fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies, and there he quotes Isaiah, one of the prophets, 7, 14. Uh, and predicted that the Messiah would be born in, among his people. In verse 22, it says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. That's Isaiah. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The, the name Emmanuel is so important. It means what? God with us. It tells us that right there. And, and this is so vital to us and to everyone who looks for hope today in the world that, that, that we could receive and know this God who is with us. You know, I just read, ended reading in my regular reading this, uh, the book Ezekiel. Have you ever tried to read the book Ezekiel? It's a prophet. It's kind of a long one. And it gets, it gets talking about a lot of end times things. It has a lot of symbolism. It's got, and, it, and it's got some, it goes in the end of the Ezekiel, it talks a lot about the new Jerusalem and the, this temple that's like bigger than the temple could ever be. And you're going like, what's going on with all this? But in the very last verse of Ezekiel, in, in Ezekiel Chapter 48, verse 35, there are four words there that just opened the book of Ezekiel, the Old Testament, to my, to my heart and mind. It says this, the Lord 
is there. And what he's saying here is the same word about what what Isaiah was saying about Emmanuel, God with us. He was saying, God will be present in our midst. We get to know him. And church family, if you're a follower of Christ, guess what? When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you know this, you become the temple of God. You are the holy place where Emmanuel, God with us, resides through the power and person of Christ's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And this should change us, church, as Christians. This should cause us to want have our hope focused and our expectations focused in a wholly different manner than we normally do or the world does around us. And if you're not a Christ follower today, I just, I just would love for you to see and know this God of who will give you, who can give you such hope. And uh, this morning I woke up, just for example, the hope I have. Um, and uh, I normally go in, my mother-in-law, who's uh, 89 years old, we call her Mama Devi. She... Um, I go in usually and help her get breakfast because she has a hard time moving that around. And so I went in, got her breakfast ready, and she called me. She couldn't get up. And so um, I think I don't know what's going on with her, but she's got something going on, a super weakness. So I went in and helped her up. And then I sat her down. I got Lizanne because Lizanne needed to stay with her. I had to get here. And, um, you know, there was couple things else that happened and she's just really struggling but I remembered as I was driving here to to church this morning thinking about man what is going to happen is she going to go be with the Lord 89 you know she's lived a great life but I remember what she said one day she said John you cannot add or take away from one day that the Lord has planned for you in your life and so I'm good with that you guys have that hope Christian, non, those who are not Christ followers. I mean, this is the hope that you can have in Jesus. And I just took, though, you know, it makes me sad the day that she's going to pass and be in his presence. It also makes me glad because she's getting more and more ready. And when she goes to heaven, friends, it's going to be a great homecoming for her. And by the way, not just for her, but for you and I, And every one of us who put our hope in Jesus Christ is our Lord and rescuing God. Well, the story ends this way. In verse 20, uh, the angel says, like, don't fear, Joseph. Yeah, well, right. (laughs) Don't fear. Take Mary as your wife. What's Joseph's response? It says in verse 24, he took her as his wife And then verse 25, it says, after marriage, Joseph chose not to be physically intimate with Mary until after the birth of Jesus. Now, now why is that significant? And here's why, is Matthew is clearly telling a story that there had to be a virgin. There was a prophecy that said, Isaiah said, there would be a virgin who who would give birth to the rescuing God. And so she had to be a virgin she had to have no relations before God 
came and miraculously did the work of bringing and implanting Jesus, conceiving Jesus in her womb. And this is so important because, look, every line of humanity, every ancestry, even the best of ones, is broken because of our sin. We, have, we can't get to know God or be in relationship with him without him doing this work. And he comes and he provides a rescuer who is unscathed by sin. He is perfect in all of his ways. He is fully God. Jesus was fully God and he was born human, fully human. This is the mystery of the gospel of God and the good news that we have a rescuer king who has come, God with us, who is with us. Well, for the Jewish people, Israel, Jesus is not what they expected, right? Thought he'd be different. And so many, many of, most Jewish people didn't receive him. I think in the end of history, uh, many of the Jews will come to know him. I think that's a, but that's a whole nother sermon. But listen, for Joseph, Jesus is not what he expected either. Are you, why are you coming this way, Lord? I mean, this is going to be my wife. This is not easy. And we're getting married, no honeymoon, none of that stuff going on. This is not easy. And still, though Jesus was not what he expected, Joseph was, was simple in his obedience. But for some of us, We've heard this story time and time again, right? I've preached this 34 years. I've been preaching. I don't know how many times I've preached this passage. And, but here's the deal, guys, is Jesus comes in unexpected way. I have a question for you. Is your hope in him? You know, it's so easy to hope in other things. Uh, early this morning, before the Mama Devi incident, I was, I was reading and reflecting on the word and just, you know, what do you want to say, God? And I realized, I was asking my, myself this question because I like to ask myself this before I ask you. I said to the Lord, God, is my hope in you? And the answer is, yes, mostly, I love the Lord. I love the Lord with all my heart, but there are areas of my life my hope is not in him. And I can be distracted at times and I can place my hope in other things, probably just like you do too. And I ask myself, God, why is it? Why is it than me? I mean, I love you. I love your word. I'm growing in it. I want to continue to grow in knowing you and having my hope in you. Why is it that my hope gets so easily in other things other than you? And, you know, I had this, like, small, small still voice. It was a small, small voice. It wasn't, like, verbal, out, out there word. But it was just a, a thought, an impression God gave me. But it was a strong one. He said to me, John, you know why your hope is in other things? Because... You have always wanted to be the hero of the story. And it made me think for a moment, God, I'm tired. I'm tired 
of being the, trying to be the hero. Lord, I want to put my expectations and my hopes and my dreams and that which is most important to me in you and belief in you that you have come and that you will come again soon. You know why? Because I know, I know this, but I have a hard time like you trusting this. I know that only if he is the hero of our stories will we be set free to be and enjoy with happiness and joy and peace and grace and love and to a purpose, all those things we long for. We've been holding on and grasping for things, expecting this. This is going to make me happy and this and this and this and this. But nothing will satisfy us. Nothing except for placing our expectation in Jesus and him alone. I just want to encourage you this first Sunday of Advent. Will you do that together with me? Will you say, Lord, I want to let go of all other hopes and expectations that I've made too big, too ultimate. Maybe even good hopes, kids, family, work. Go on and on. I want to place my hope in you and you alone. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we are grateful for your patience and kindness towards us, towards me, Lord. Way too often, Lord, I have tried to be the hero of the story, and I know that will never satisfy. I know it only bring me ultimately to frustration and anger and sadness and fear that won't be subsiding. Yeah, it gives temporary buzz, but it won't give us that satisfaction of heart. So, Lord, today, both online and in present here, if you, you, you're here and you're not a Christ follower, maybe you've heard this message about Jesus, I'd just like to invite you, if you'd like to receive Jesus this morning, will you just uh, look up at me and raise your hand? you got to wave your hand. Amen. Praise God for you. Receive Jesus today and his love and his rescuing love for you. He is for you. Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. Just let me know. If you're uh, online today, just would encourage you. I'd love to talk with you if you're... or. Have one of our leaders share with you if you are receiving Christ's love today. But look, you know, many of us do know Christ as our Savior and Lord. Where's your hope? What are your expectations in life? Where are they placed? What do you think will make you happy? 
What do you think will satisfy you? Look, nothing, nothing. I promise you, nothing will satisfy except for Jesus and him alone. So together with me again, will you take just a few moments in silent confession of your sin and repent, reject anything you've hoped in other than Jesus and him alone? Let's let's go to God in just a couple moments of silent confession, both here in person and online. Let's pray together, church. Let's come to our God. Lord, thank you. We receive your forgiveness and are so grateful for you and your rescuing love. We acknowledge, give us the faith to even believe you and to place our expectations, our ultimate, big, massive hopes in you and you alone. We Reject all other hopes that have competed with you for our love and attention. And we say, Lord, help us. We're frail, we're weak, but we're yours. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.